Well, hey, City Gators, Vic here. Uh, just before we get into our, our message today, uh, I want us to just glance back over our shoulders at last weekend uh, very quickly. As some of you may know, uh, we got to baptize four City Gators uh, here at the Waypoint. Uh, and it was such a special occasion. It was our very first weekend where we did watch parties. And so we had like nearly 40 people show up. Um, but uh, we also filmed that experience and we wanted to share it with anybody who was not able to, to make it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to hand over to uh, a little video clip uh, that I trust will encourage you. Um, and then I'll be back again to preach. I trust you were encouraged by that. Uh, it was a very special day. Um, and so if you'd like to share that with anybody else, you know, it's, it'll be uh, online from this day onwards uh, and on some of our social media channels as well. And of course, if you've not been baptized, but you are a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to sign up uh, for our next one. Uh, we'll have some more details about that available um, in, the, in the near future. Uh, but let's jump straight into today's message. Um, we're still in the book of uh, 1 Peter. Today we're in chapter 4 and I'm going to do uh, verses 7 to 11. Uh, and the title of today's message is, Let's Do This. Let's Do This. So maybe you'll pick up uh, that title as we read these verses together. So if you have a Bible with you, open up there. Otherwise, of course, it'll be up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, verse 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I normally pray at the beginning of a service, but I believe that sort of uh, benediction there uh, at the end, that sort of doxology there, uh, kind of doubles up as a prayer as well. So we're just going to jump straight into uh, these verses. And we'll use the, the verses really to, uh, to be our points and our guide throughout this message. So, you know, it kicks off in verse 7 with, The end of all things is at hand. Um, and, you know, if you're a, a person who likes, uh, you know, theories about the end times, maybe that's the verse that you focus on. Um, and, you know, this was penned, you know, roughly 2,000 years ago. Um, and so 2,000 years later, we realize this, the end still has not come. Uh, we know that Jesus' death and resurrection was the beginning of the end. It certainly marked that. But we don't know if we are in the middle of the end or if we are at the end of the end. And of course, it's nice to speculate. Uh, you know, I, um, I can with confidence say we're certainly closer to the end uh, than the, the listeners or the readers in the, and, and Peter himself writing. We're certainly closer to the end than they were. Um, but no one really knows. <laughs> and that's actually the point. You know, as, you, as we carried on reading, uh, you know, he focuses not on the end, but he focuses on the now. Uh, and that's the point. Uh, actually, I, I, for example, love uh, apocalypse movies. I, I love to, to watch you know, end of the world stories, end time stories. Uh, and you know, I could binge watch them. You know? But you know what's so interesting? If I watch these uh, end of the world uh, kind of apocalypse style uh, movies all the time, you know what actually happens? Nothing. 
Nothing happens when I'm, you know, glued to the TV, uh, speculating as to how everything will come to an end. And I think that is the point that Peter is trying to make here, because then he carries on. Look, the, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. In other words, if the end is close, here's my encouragement to you, he says. Don't slack off. That's what he's saying. Uh, I can you know, think of uh, one illustration, uh, and it's the game of rugby. I know I'm a South African, and so I'm really sorry if this goes over most of your heads. Um, but this might be a fun Google exercise afterwards. But you know, a, a rugby game can kind of end in two ways. Okay, uh, In the final moments, uh, if the winning team, for example, there's just a few uh, seconds left. Um, there's uh, something called a line-out. You know, so the ball is out, uh, and a bunch of players line up and they catch the ball to start playing again. Um, or they can be a scrum. So a bunch of players don't stand at the edge of the field. They uh, all kind of huddle together. It's like, you know, 16 men wrestling, really. Uh, and so uh, they throw the ball into the scrum, into this sort of oven of men, or they throw this ball uh, at these line of men. And, uh, and as soon as they catch it, or as soon as the ball comes out of the scrum, uh, they send it to the back line, the people who run with the ball to try and score. Uh, and in those final moments, they get the ball, they kick it out. And as soon as it's out, of course, the whistle blows. But because it's the end of the game, it's the final whistle. And so there's like no strategy. They just get the ball out and they pass it to the first person who can kick and they kick it out and the game's over. That's one way you can end it. Another way you can end uh, a rugby game is that actually there's quite a few minutes left on the clock. Uh, and so there's obviously still a winning team. But what they need to do is they need to keep this ball in play. They're winning and they have to be uh, really intentional. Yes, they have the game in the bag, um, but it doesn't mean that they can now stop playing because it's not like that final moments I explained in, in option A. They've got to keep, uh, keep possession of the ball. Um, and if they drop their guard, if they just, you know, kind of go, well, you know, we're, we're winning already anyway and it's almost finished, well, they can often give the losing team opportunities to score and possibly even uh, beat them and win. Um, and I think as Christ followers, we are kind of the option two version of the game. Yes, Jesus conquered death and sin and, and, uh, and, and, and we are living, you know, uh, in the end in that sense that he had begun the end. Uh, he's, he, we are victorious behind him, but he has not returned yet. And in the meantime, we don't fold our arms uh, or, or just think, oh, it's no point in playing. Let's just kick this uh, ball out. No, we need to be intentional. We need to keep uh, possession. Uh, we need to keep playing. And uh, I think that's why um, Peter in verse 7 says here, for the sake of your prayers. He's like, be, be self-controlled, be sober-minded sober for the sake of your prayers. So he's like saying, don't stop speaking to God. Don't stop asking God. Don't stop pursuing His will. For the sake of your prayers, be sober-minded because the end is at hand. I want you to see that, that just because it seems like, hey, uh, the end is, is near, that we therefore sit back and, and we are passive believers. No, we find ourselves self-controlled, sober-minded, and praying. And then he gets really specific, okay? He gets really specific as to what that looks like, that intentionality. And so he then says, verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. So above all really is just code for the most important thing, as in the top of your list. If you're going to make a list, therefore, okay, well, you know, how am I going to be self-controlled, sober-minded here? Um, at the top of your list, he's saying, Love one another. Keep loving one another, in fact. It thinks of, I think of uh, John chapter 13 when Jesus 
in a sense, gave a new commandment to his disciples. In verse 34 of chapter 13, the Gospel of John, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I'm pretty sure that's why Peter is saying here, above all, he's remembering Jesus' teaching to him when he said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And he says, keep loving. Because there's a sense that, you know, it's sometimes you start off with the love and then you get to know a person and you get to hang out with them a little longer than just a mere visit here and there. And the encouragement is to keep going because you might want to stop. Actually, something might happen. He says, and you've got to love them earnestly. And that word speaks of an intense love. Um, one commentary says it like this. Love must never be half-hearted, weak or self-serving, as we'll see in the verses that as it unfolds. It says it must be concentrated focused and faithful. So faithful, it says keep loving. Focused on one another. Concentrated in the sense that you love a person sacrificially. And, uh, and I think that's why he says because love covers a multitude of sins at the end of verse 9. Because the fact is, is we are going to sin against one another. And we therefore need to keep loving one another. Because those sins might tempt us to stop loving one another. And he's saying, keep going. Let it be, be faithful in your love uh, and be focused in your love. Love those people that may you know, break your heart, might even sin against you. Because where love abounds, we can overlook offenses. Where love abounds, we can forget the wrongs that have been committed against us quickly. And I want to stop for a moment and say that, you know, City Gators, we have a practical tool to help you with this loving one another instruction that we've been given here. Uh, we have something called the One Another Charter. I haven't spoken about this for months, really. Uh, and, uh, and towards the end of us uh, of refining our values, just before COVID hit, um, we printed something and we handed it out. It was called the One Another Charter. And there should be a link up on the screen. You can get it yourself if you're new with us. You go to citygates.ca forward slash charter. Uh, that's charter, as you guys say it. Uh, or you can go citygates.ca forward slash one another. And uh, there's a document there, two pages, but you only need the one. You can print them back to back. And it's meant to be put on your fridge or somewhere where you can see it often. And I have an example here for you. This is what it looks like. So all the, all the um, verses that, that's in, this, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that, it, that gives us instructions as how to be with one another is listed over here. And we've categorized them for you. Um, and so on the one side, um, it's saying, avoid this. So don't do these things. And then, uh, and, and then there's another column that says, be this, so be these things. And then the third column is saying, uh, it's saying, say these things. This is what must come out of your mouth. And the last one is saying, do these things. This is what you need to do uh, practically with your hands, you know. And so just, you know, a couple of examples here. Uh, the, the things you need to avoid is, uh, of course, not lying, passing judgment on each other, uh, not grumbling against one another, biting, devouring one another, provoking, envying each other, uh, you know, doing things out of selfish ambition, saying, avoid this. So there's a couple of tips for you. What should you be? Well, you should be humble. Kind, tender-hearted, at peace with each other, uh, submitting to one, one another, bearing with one another, um, and, and the list goes on. Uh, what should you say? What should come out of your mouth? Well, it says you should encourage one another, instruct, 
exhort, build up, uh, address one another with psalms, you know, hymns and spiritual songs, uh, teach and admonish. You should confess your sins to one another. So even connected here, yeah, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. If there's an atmosphere of love, well, it would be very easy to admit that you're wrong as well because you're not getting, getting uh, uh, um, uh, uh, hatred towards you, getting love towards you. It's an atmosphere of grace. And greet one another, of course. That's a good one, too. And if you're at our watch parties, you know, in-person gatherings, I trust a lot of greeting took place today. That's a great one. Um, and then the, the final column is, you know, do these things, you know, uh, which includes, of course, love, but showing honor, forgiving, uh, stirring up one another, spurring each other on towards love and good, good works, uh, welcoming, showing hospitality. We'll see that here again and serving, etc. So go to citygates.ca forward slash charter or forward slash one another and uh, download this one another charter, print it out, put it on your fridge, meditate on these things, but not only meditate, but find yourself actually doing them as well. Uh, because that's one of our values. We are the hospitable family of Jesus. And we are Holy Spirit empowered servants like Jesus. Uh, and, and, and that's what those two statements look like. If you look at the one another charter, I think uh, that it could be a description of what our community aspires to be. So let's carry on. I mean, uh, you know, a couple of other one another's in there. The one is show hospitality. Uh, what does that mean? The word hospitality is actually the word philoxenos. Philo means love, xenos means stranger. And interestingly enough, this is the antidote to xenophobia. Xenophobia means stranger, phobia means a fear of. So the fear of strangers, the solution to xenophobia, according to the Bible, is actually hospitality, to be fond of and to love strangers. It's a powerful thing. Uh, and, and the instruction is pretty simple. It's saying that we should love people, uh, either Christians, other believers that we don't know well. Um, uh, they, they are strangers. They, they, they're aliens in a sense. They're foreigners. Um, uh, or people who are not believers. It can mean both. People who are not Christians um, in that sense. You know, Peter describes us as the aliens and strangers in this world. But from a non-Christian's perspective, they look at Christians and they can think, you guys are aliens and strangers. You, uh, or, or I feel like an alien and a stranger. So it can work both ways. And so to show hospitality is to love uh, people that are different, lo love people that are other. And, and that's what's so beautiful about the church is that even though it might be filled with people who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior, it's filled with so many different kinds of people, young, old, black, white, uh, you know, different nationalities. Um, it, is, it, is, it is such a diverse community um, and we are to practice hospitality. We are need to show hospitality. Um, our part is simply to love and not to change a person into, into you know, wanting to be like us. We're supposed to love the stranger. Love is our bit and if the stranger must be changed, uh, God, is, God will do the changing. We do the loving. And, and we should show hospitality without grumbling. Again, Peter is a realist here. You know, he, he understands. He says, listen, love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, assuming that there's going to be some sinning happening. And he's saying show hospitality without grumbling, assuming that some grumbling is going to take place. You know, my wife had this Bible verse stuck on the back of our front door for many, many years. As we get to the front door, the bell just rang. We read, offer hospitality without grumbling. Grumbling, Okay, 
open the door. Hey, how are you doing? Not like putting, a, you know, being fake or anything, but obeying God, knowing that at the end of loving a stranger, at the end of showing hospitality, he's true to his word. You know, the Bible says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we open the door. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to our home. And we didn't feel like that. There are many community group evenings where we go, man, you know, if I had my selfish way, I would cancel tonight. But I take God at his word and we get together as a community group. And at the end of the night, I have more energy than the evening, than how the evening began. Because God's ways work. And so we don't grumble. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's another um, comedian, Sebastian Maniscalco. We, we, we enjoy him as a family. And, uh, you know, he makes this joke about how different it is today when your doorbell rings as opposed to 30 or 40 years ago when your doorbell rang. I think the culture was far less individualistic, you know, more communal, more traditional. And so, you know, people actually enjoyed it when you came over because nobody knew what was going on in your life because there wasn't a Facebook or an Instagram where, you know, you don't have to go visit someone to know what's going down. You just go to their, their social media feed and go, oh, they saw their family. Oh, they had a party. Oh, they're going on a vacay. But you've never actually spoken to that person. Have you ever had that? You go up to a person and you say, you know, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. And you start speaking about all the things that they've done in their lives. And they go, but I've never told you. Well, they kind of did because they put it online. That wasn't like that. Uh, 40 years ago, you know, uh, you know, people would show up as like, yeah, let's catch up. Um, and now these days with the individualism that's crept in, he makes this joke, Sebastian, that, uh, you know, as soon as the doorbell rings, you switch the lights off, you drop down to your knees, you tell everybody to keep quiet, you know, you throw accusations around who invited who. That is not how the church should be. That is not how the family of God should be. Our doors should be wide open. We should show hospitality without grumbling. And then he carries on. He carries on. He says, use your gifts uh, to, to serve one another. And these are, are, are varied, uh, varied gifts uh, that God's given. What, what's going on here? Well, first of all, he's making the assumption that every Christian has received a gift. So something that, that, um, that you're good at, but that, that's, that's given to you by God. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how do you know uh, what your gifts are. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But I think the first assumption is that you've got one, at least one. Okay, every believer's got a gift. And what is that gift for? It's not to make you look amazing. It's not to, to serve you, but it's a gift God's given you in order to serve someone. So he, you know, he, he gives it, in a sense, through you to others. And so use it to serve others as opposed to serving yourself. You know, I, I, over my you know, short couple of years of being in the ministry and people come to you often with, with two kinds of attitudes. One could be, you know, um, this church seems to be a platform for my gift. Um, and so the question is, you know, uh, does this church exist uh, to give my gift an opportunity? Or the other way of, of, uh, of seeing it, which is a biblical way, is actually my gift it's been given and it exists for the sake of this church. This church doesn't exist for my gift. My gift exists for these people, for this church. That is the attitude that we should have. It's to serve one another, not to serve ourselves. The church isn't a platform for your gift. If you have one, you do have one, at least one. Uh, actually, your gift is there to serve the church. And I love how he says, you know, um, God's very, let me read that. Uh, uh, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
And so that speaks of the variety of gifts, that not every person received receives the same set of gifts or the same gift. And, and again, I want to stop for a moment and I want to say to you, CityGates, we actually have a tool to help you figure this out. You might not know this. If you go to citygates.ca forward slash my gifts, link should be up on the screen. You can actually do a little assessment tool. You, you can go through a little assessment. This, we call it a gift gauge. Um, the reason it's a gift gauge, because this is not God's word to you and the end result there, if you print it out, you can't you know, file it, put it on your wall and saying that those are my gifts. It's just a, a, a gauge. We, we, we might get it wrong. Uh, not all of those gifts there are, are spiritual either. Uh, spiritual gifts, you know, they are respected views on this particular subject, on the spiritual gifts. And, and people disagree on how long or how short the list should be. And so we recognize as a church, there's some nuance here, okay? Some gifts are clearly supernatural gifts. The gifts of miracles, for example, like healing. Of course, that's not something you can you know, go to school for. This is something God gives you supernaturally. But some gifts may seem like a natural ability, you know, uh, that you, you can use and leverage for spiritual good. Uh, so, for example, hospitality, we just talked about that, uh, or, or craftsmanship, you know, being able to make something, be creative. Um, uh, sometimes it's a skill that you can acquire. So you might not have had it. You went to school or something and, and, and somehow it, it, it flourishes and you learn administration or, 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 or leadership. Um, and, and sometimes it can be a personality trait, you know, uh, where you just some people are just they've got the gift of encouragement. They just always see the, 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 the glass half full they always get something wonderful to say they always blow wind in your sails and so you know we understand that that a spiritual gift is something that God gives you you can't manufacture it but we know that sometimes it looks a certain way and so you know those are all all all, all I think tools God's given us to figure out what is this thing that he's gifted me with so that I could use that to its fullest potential also want to just say that some of the, the, the gifts in the list that we have there are actually offices in a church. So for example, a shepherd uh, is a pastor, you know, it's someone, an elder that's, that's, that's employed or, or, or serves a church in a formal capacity. There's duties attached to their responsibility and their role. Um, uh, but some of those things on that list are just Christian disciplines that you should do whether it's your gift or not. For example, you know, there is the spiritual gift of just generosity, um, but, there, but every Christian should be generous. Uh, you know, maybe intercession, which is prayer, but every Christian should pray, not just those with the gift. Uh, evangelism, for example, you get evangelists who are really good at sharing the gospel, but actually all of us are called to share the gospel in some form or shape. And so, um, again, you, you don't want to pigeonhole uh, yourself. You've got to understand the nuances around these things. But when we talk about gifts, you know, especially he says, you know, to use the, the gifts God's given you, a gift is generally something that you are going to not only be good at, but also get tremendous amounts of joy from. You know, sometimes you can be good at something, but you hate doing it. Uh, you know, uh, but, but a gift might be characterized by like high levels of joy, like you just come alive. In fact, when you do it, you don't get tired, you get energized. Um, so you're both good at it as well as it brings tremendous joy. And I would probably add another one to it, which is it gives God uh, huge amounts of glory, which is actually what Peter says here as well. Um, but before I move on, I want to say this is just a tool. Okay, you need to get perspective when you're in community, which is really the place where these things get worked out. You can get perspective from leaders and friends and fellow Christians as to, you know, whether that 
result of that assessment lines up with your life, you know. Um, that's where you actually determine this. Uh, and then my last comment on this would be that love still rules here. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, so you can find some of these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and a few other places. But uh, 1 Corinthians 12 lists some gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 says you can have the most amazing gifts, but if you have not love, remember Peter's instruction here, love one another earnestly, keep loving one another. He's saying that you can have the most amazing gifts. If you do not have love, counts for nothing. It's useless. Uh, and so again, this is about loving others. It's about not loving yourself, loving others, serving others. Uh, and I think that's how you know if you would be a good steward, because he carries on by saying we need to be stewards of these gifts. In other words, you will give an account if God, God's given you one or he's given you ten. You think of Matthew 25. Jesus tells this parable about talents being given to, 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 uh, to people by a, a, a boss, by a master. He goes away and he comes back and he expects there to be a return on what he's given them. Um, and you don't want to be like the one who dug a hole in the ground and he hid it away. And, you know, he gave, he was given one gift, he gave one gift back and actually didn't go well for this person because God expects you to be faithful with what he's given you because his promise also is if you're faithful with the little, he will give you more. If, you, if he's, you're faithful with the small, he will give you more. And so be a good steward. Use these gifts in God's community. Serve others with these gifts. Um, don't sit on it. Don't hide it away. Um, and, and, you know, I've, if you go to this list online, uh, there, there's a whole bunch of them uh, there. But Peter makes it pretty simple, actually, in these verses. He actually splits it into just two main categories. You know, he says, um, uh, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that God may be glorified. You know, this is, um, it's fascinating because he's basically saying there's some gifts that's like foreground, like spotlight gifts, you know, the speaking ones, kind of like what I'm doing right now. I actually have some lights on me. Um, and then there's sort of background gifts where you're serving uh, and, uh, and, and you, you, you're working behind the scenes to make something happen. Um, and, you know, the speaking one, he's saying, listen, it's the very words of God. If you're going to be, have a public platform to communicate God's word, remember it's his words, not yours. Don't take the credit for it. Um, you know, and we live in an age uh, where copyright and plagiarism, these are things that people are so passionate about. You know, and I read an article by uh, a, a famous pastor. His name's T Timothy Keller. In fact, we quote and read him quite a bit. He's, he's a real uh, influence in the Christian community. And, you know, it's such a freeing article. He talked about um, uh, plagiarism and how he's saying, listen, when you're speaking, uh, it's very hard to always give credit where credit is due because you often have heard it somewhere, then you've forgotten why, and, and then you retell the story and you maybe retell it slightly differently. A same message, but, you know, a different way of saying it. And so a very liberating uh, uh, um, article by a man who I think has been quoted so much uh, in the last two decades. Just an incredibly uh, uh, wise, uh, a wonderful theologian, philosopher in a Christian uh, uh, world. And, and we lean on what he's written and has said so much. And to hear a person like that uh, saying, listen, 
you know, it's okay if you don't, don't, don't reference me. Um, I think he gets this verse. I think he gets this thing that actually when you're speaking, you're speaking the very words of God. If God gave you something to say, then surely God should get all the credit. Not us saying, oh, you misquoted me or I need to have a footnote in there or, or a citation. Um, it's all about him. And of course, we still honor each other, but we don't make it about one another. We make it about the king, about God. And then he talks about serving in the background. It's amazing. He's saying serving not in your own strength, because again, we could be working it at the, in, the, in the background, helping, serving, and actually go, wow, I'm, I'm pretty amazing. I mean, I'm not on that stage and saying all those things, but if I wasn't here, none of this would happen. If I didn't help set up the chairs or move that thing over here or, or, or worked on some practical aspect, this all's a house of cards. It all come down. They need me. He's saying, no, you serve in the strength that God supplies. Again, you're saying that if I have a gift of serving, of administrating, then actually it's given to me by God. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. I don't get it. So whether it's the foreground uh, gifts of speaking or the background gifts of, of serving, in the end, it's for God's glory. We do all, everything that we do, public or private, we do it for the glory of God. And so I'm going to end now by just challenging you. Uh, you think about some of these instructions to find your gifts, to love one another earnestly, to show hospitality, to serve. Where, would we, where, where can we work this out? Well, for one, in your community group, of course. And if you're not in a community group, get in one. You know, these things are meant to be worked out in community. If, you, if the word one another is being used there, the word one is, is on its own. It's not going to work. It's not like me and myself with gifts on, you know, used on me. This is meant for community. This is meant to be given away. And so get in a community group, but also sign up for a watch party. Come, come out on a Sunday where we all sit under God's word and we worship together. And there's opportunity for us to live this out in our watch party. So maybe you've not joined a watch party yet. I want to encourage you. Make it a priority. Sign up for the next one. Uh, we, we are going to try our very best to have ones near you, uh, to accommodate you. And even we're, we're dreaming about kids ministry here at the Waypoint. So if you're a parent, you know, right now, maybe let your wife go one week and then you go another week uh, um, until the day that we could actually serve your children as well. But, but we are committed to creating opportunities where these verses can be worked out. So let's do this in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Vic. Um, I'm Mike Holmes. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm going to just kind of end with a, just a, a call to action, so to speak. You know, I love baptisms and I loved watching those baptisms that we performed last week. Um, just so exciting to see people publicly declare to everybody around them that they are Christ followers, new creations, as 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you know, made anew in Christ and brand new creations all together. And uh, it was amazing. Right after the baptism, uh, Samantha actually said to me, Mike, I feel like I want to proclaim to everybody what's happened to me. And uh, that's the reality is because 1 Corinthians 5, 17 goes into 1 Corinthians 5, 18, strangely, where it says that not only are we reconciled to God, but he's also given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we now get to go and reconcile other people to God. 
So we can celebrate the new birth and the new life and this transformation and it's amazing to see, but if it just stayed there, I think we're missing what the, the real purpose why God wants us to stay on the earth is to now take this ministry of reconciliation that we are, have, uh, we've been, uh, had the benefit of and then go and, and reconcile others back to God. <clears throat> and I wanted to share Obviously, we call this part the commission, and this really is the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so Samantha's words to me were, I'm ready now to go and fulfill the great commission because I have been baptized, I'm a new creation, I'm publicly proclaiming that Jesus has saved me, and here I am about to do that. So I thought we'd end with actually a scripture from John chapter 4, the woman at the well, we know it well. Um, sorry for the pun, uh, but let me read it uh, to you. And Jesus says this, he says, he's talking about the harvest of it, how we're supposed to lift up, and, uh, lift up our eyes, look to the harvest fields that are white under harvest. And he says this, look, I tell you, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here, the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And the Great Commission is not necessarily about us being there at the, the finish line when somebody crosses that line of faith. So we will either be sowers who will sow the word of God, sow seeds into people's life of the gospel, or we may be super privileged to be reapers, to be at that point in their life where somebody says, I'm ready to cross the line of faith. And we get to, we get to you know, help them and, and maybe lead them across the line of faith. We may have done nothing else. And it all, you know, honestly may seem so unfair. Someone's done all the hard work, now we get to be in at the finish. And I'm gonna leave this with you um, before, we, before we exit. As a Christ follower, we are called to reap and we are called to sow. We are never called to do nothing. The ministry of reconciliation demands action. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Please um, use this as a springboard for, for a fresh look at your evangelistic life, so to speak. And uh, how, how about we have a great week of, of sharing Christ at some level with those around us. Have a fantastic rest of the day. God bless you and we'll see you shortly.